Welcome to The Church Door, a place where I can post my Bible studies and sermons for your listening pleasure. I'm the Reverend Matthew Fenn, pastor of St. Peter's Evangelical Lutheran Church in Stratford, Ontario. Thanks for tuning us in. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. We continue in our series in Romans because our three-year lectionary spends the summer going through Romans. We have a few more weeks, and then we'll switch to something else. Also, I forgot to make the announcement. I moved the tray for the individual cups down there. So when you take your cup, just take it with you and put it in the tray. We're trying that out. If it doesn't work, we'll go back to the other way. Okay. If you were to examine the oldest records on earth, you'll find sacrifice often formed a major part of many ancient religions. In fact, it's a nearly universal idea that in order to be pardoned, in order to be blessed and receive aid from your deity, you needed to offer something to obtain it. The ancient Israelites had a whole range of sacrifices that they had to offer to the Lord. Daily, weekly, monthly, yearly, and on various ever-recurring occasions, the altar at the temple ran with blood of the dead bodies of animals. The temple was a veritable slaughterhouse. But Christianity said, no more of this. When Christians think about sacrifice, we think naturally about what Jesus has done for us on the cross. But is that the end of the story? Is the sacrifice of Jesus Christ upon the cross of Calvary the only sacrifice that Christians should talk about? In our epistle reading from Romans, the Apostle Paul talks about a kind of sacrifice which all Christians must still offer. Paul urges, present your bodies as a living sacrifice. We are embodied people. We're not just disembodied spirits. We relate to others and to the world around us by our bodies. Take away our bodies and... We can't hear, we can't see, we can't speak or walk or touch or act at all. To offer our bodies, then, is to offer ourselves. Everything that we are, all that we think or feel. We're not supposed to degrade our bodies. We are supposed to offer them, weak as they are, as full of sin as they are, knowing that our bodies will be redeemed in the resurrection. Now, it's not so much that you offer a sacrifice. You are the sacrifice. You don't offer the sacrifice. You are the sacrifice. And all this talk about sacrifice means that we have to make a distinction between two different types of sacrifices. One type of sacrifice is a sacrifice which makes atonement for sins. It's a sacrifice that merits and earns forgiveness of sins for other people. Now, that's not our sacrifices. 
That's the kind of sacrifice that the death of Jesus Christ is. The other type of sacrifice is a sacrifice of thanksgiving. When Christians offer themselves as sacrifices, those are sacrifices of thanksgiving. We offer ourselves to God because he has already offered himself for us. More on that later. But when Paul talks about sacrifice, he's not really talking about making sacrifices in our lives. Our own personal sacrifice has to be far more than a waving of wheat or an unblemished goat. Our personal sacrifice has to be far more than a few dollars thrown into missions in a foreign land. Our sacrifices should include all those things, but it's so much more. And to get this across, Paul uses a vivid, a shocking idea. Your whole self, your whole self must be laid on the altar like a sacrifice in the temple. The big difference is, normally, a sacrifice is there to be killed. But the Christian self-offering is all about putting to death the old way of life and walking in the new way of life that God has given. It's about putting to death the old way of life and walking in the new way of life that God has given. We're to give ourselves in self-sacrificial service to God, not just once, but every day, every hour, every minute. And the Holy Spirit enables us to do that, to put to death the deeds of the body and to begin to do what's right in God's eyes. Paul then spells out exactly what this sacrifice, this living sacrifice, entails. The mind and the body are closely connected. They work together as a team. The mind is the parliament of the body, where the feelings are felt and assessed, where options are considered and decisions are made. Sacrificed bodies come from transformed minds. Sacrificed bodies come from transformed minds. Paul tells us to be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Having one's mind renewed and offering one's body are all part of the same complete act. It's all talking about the same thing. And this renewing of the mind does not automatically happen to us. Our thinking is not instantaneously changed. No, the, the ruts of the old life are not very easy to get out of. Some ways of thinking are deeply ingrained in us, and they won't disappear overnight. On top of that, our society seeks also to shape us according to its pattern, to get us to think after the way of the world. Many Christians in today's world never come to terms with this. They hope that they'll be able to sort of live up to God's standards while still thinking the way the rest of the world thinks. It cannot be done. Paul says, do not be conformed to the world, to this age. 
What's he saying? He's saying, don't let society squeeze you into its mold. Don't allow it to dictate to you how you should think or what you should think. Don't let it govern how you can and can't behave. Don't automatically agree with everything that society around you holds up as good. Being conformed to the world is essentially making what's fashionable in our society the standard of our lives. And Paul is telling us not to conform to the worldly prevailing ideas of our society, but instead to conform to God's will, to God's ideas. Now that's extremely difficult because we like to fit in with our surroundings and with our friends. We're, we think about a formal party, a, a black tie party. We really don't like arriving at a party dressed completely differently than everybody else. We don't like it. We want to fit in naturally. And so like that, we're, we're like chameleons who can't decide what color to be. We are one color at church, and then we're one color at school, and one color at work, and so on. So the question is, what is forming you? What is shaping your life? What are you feeding? What are we feeding into our minds? If you spend all your free time watching television, browsing social media, reading secular books, listening to secular music, then you can expect that your mind will be fundamentally secular. That's why so many Christians are confused. That's why our churches are emptying. But we must be ready to challenge our society when it shouts or even whispers seductively that it would be easier. It would, it would be better to do things its way. A transformed mind means that the world's thinking is turned upside down by God. Only God can renew our minds and begin any sort of transformation in us. Our job is to cooperate with the Holy Spirit as he dismantles old ways of thinking and creates new ways of thinking. A renewed mind submits to Jesus Christ as Lord and King, even though the world shouts at us that there is no king but Caesar. If we have a renewed mind, we recognize that God's way is best, and we really want to go that way. And so we then lead and discipline our bodies to, and lives in conformity to God's way. And the basis for all this, the basis for it all, is the mercies of God. Paul memorably writes, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God. God has shown mercy to us corrupt and fallen humans. He's done that by sending his son. We were thoroughly lost. But God has provided a thorough forgiveness through the death of his son. 
Jesus offered himself as a bloody, atoning sacrifice on your behalf. This one sacrifice was offered once and for all time. Someone else was handed over and condemned in your place. Another died so you may live. God's compassion for you can be seen in the body of Jesus hanging on the cross. Jesus is the living sacrifice. He is the one who died to make atonement for you, but who three days later was raised from the dead. In Jesus, you have obtained mercy with God. God has pity on you and, has, and brings you from your life of sin and misery and gives you a life as his forgiven child. Gratitude. Gratitude for God's mercy is what motivates us to serve him. Our text is one of the most well-known in the Bible because it contains a summary of our response to God's compassion for us in the gospel. Our response, our entire Christian life is rooted in God's mercy. Note, Paul did not appeal to us on the basis of his authority as an apostle. He didn't beat us over the head with the law. He urges us on the basis of God's mercy. Worship, obedience, self-sacrifice, all of those are a reasonable response to God's indescribable mercy. The only sacrifice that we can offer which will be acceptable to God is the sacrifice of ourselves. And that self-offering is acceptable only because God in his mercy has come down all the way to the cross where he met our sin and rebellion and death and exchanged it for his compassion and mercy. So the Christian life is not a dreary obligation. It's not about begrudgingly following a set of rules. Our lives as Christians are a joyful response to God's compassion in saving us. A way of saying thank you to God for all that he has mercifully done for us in Christ. It's a way of life not based on the law, but based on God's mercy. How we live is a measure both of how much God's mercy means to us and how grateful we are. God has shown mercy to inexcusable and undeserving sinners in giving his son to die for them, in forgiving them freely by faith, and sending his life-giving spirit and in making them his children. You have no greater incentive to be a living sacrifice than God's mercy offered to you freely in Jesus Christ your Lord. May that peace of God which passes all understanding guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. You've been listening to The Church Door. Thanks again for tuning in. If you have any comments, questions, or feedback, you can reach me, Pastor Matthew Fenn, at revfenn, R-E-V-F-E-N-N, at iCloud.com. Look forward to having you with us again next time.